What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It's Thursday, uh, October 15th. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined, as always, by David Lake. Miami taking on Pittsburgh this weekend. That's what this podcast is about. Um, Going to talk a little recruiting, like teeny, teeny, teeny bit, but this is just a full, deep dive uh, on Pittsburgh. Like I said in the last podcast, we have moved on from what happened at Clemson. Just going to talk about the Panthers. David, how you doing? What, what happened at Clemson? I already forgot. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, you know, I think going into the Clemson game, we were wondering where we were looking at that game as like, okay, a barometer of how close is Miami to being a quote unquote elite team. Found out they're not, they're not there yet, right? So I think you could make an argument that like the Pittsburgh game is kind of like, and, and this has been the case, I think, for a few years now, is like the barometer of the culture of where things are at with this team. So is this team invested? Um, where, you know, where, where does this team stand from a mentality standpoint? I think you look at last year's game, right? There was they 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 lost that weird game to Georgia Tech, and you know that week in practice, Jared Williams was skipping practice, and and really Miami pulled out that win, but really that Pittsburgh game was kind of like the first sign, in my opinion, where it was like, okay, things are starting to crack here culturally. Um, you know, I think in twenty seventeen. Um, Miami came out and handled business or sorry, 2018, 2017, they, you know, lost their first game to Pittsburgh of that year after starting 10 and 0 in 2016, Miami uh, ended a four game losing streak against Pittsburgh with a strong performance, 51 to 28 win against Pittsburgh. And that propelled them to, to close out that season with four straight wins. So Pittsburgh, in a weird way, has been kind of an important game for Miami of the last three or four years, and I think that's definitely the case this year too. I agree, absolutely. I, I said kind of gut check week coming into, I mean, right after the Clemson game, but I agree this will probably say a lot about the direction uh, of the season. I do have to apologize. My neighbor has decided to start cutting down trees like as soon as we started hit recording. So if you hear a chainsaw of sorts in the background that's what it is i have no control over it um which doesn't make sense because bulk pickup today was this morning like why would you you know wait till after that happened now you gotta wait a whole month uh but that that is what it is um david before we go more in on pit i did want to kind of not address something but uh just have this conversation with you because you kind of wrote about it i kind of wrote about it uh, we, we talk about that gap that separates Miami and Clemson. And I think me and you both agree, you know, obviously there's Clemson's more talented, but at the same time, it seemed like on Saturday they had bigger players. Am I, would you agree with me? Yes. Yeah, I would agree across the board. You know, I, I think you look at the offense, the Clemson's offensive line is, is like, I don't think Miami's offensive line looks bad, but Clemson's is just prototypical. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, you compare him to Derek King. Again, Derek King's not a bad player, but 
Trevor Lawrence's prototypical. And then, you know, Clemson safeties and, and, and corners look the part too. Their D-line obviously is, is too deep looking that way. So, yeah. I mean, that's part of recruiting success, right? right. Um, five stars look like five stars. And, that, and that's kind of what I was going to get into. Everyone wants to know, how does Miami close the gap? How long does it take for Miami to close the gap? And when I was going up and down Miami's commit list, you know, I, it occurred to me, and just based on what I've seen getting out on the road over the past month or so in, in the state, like Miami is recruiting some big kids in the class yeah. of 2021. And I'm not talking like big in terms of like highly ranked. They have those two, but you got to like the length they have and it seems like they are addressing this issue and then I really got my my brain churning because I was having a conversation with a Big Ten assistant uh, a few weeks ago and he was telling me when we're recruiting we've realized like if you're gonna miss on a prospect like that prospect better be a big prospect in terms of like length size and all that because the last thing you need given the current counters structure is a bunch of small guys on your roster. Like, if you want to go and win, you have to have size. And I think Miami's yes. doing a good job of that in the class of uh, 2021. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I mentioned in the last podcast, some, I suggested some younger players that Miami might want to start rotating in, right? And, and the reason I suggested that is, look, I don't think those young players would have given Miami a chance to beat Clemson on Saturday. But if you develop them and, and things go well in that regard, maybe by the end of the year, they give you that chance. And why did I say that? Because those younger players have some physical tools and physical gifts that maybe the older guys don't have. And, and I think you could say the same on the recruiting trail. Like, I think, you know, starting now, this year, Manny Diaz and his coaching staff, when they evaluate recruits, they need to ask themselves, can this guy help us beat Clemson? And, you know, if the answer is no, then you don't need to mess around with that guy. You got to find guys that can get you to that level. Yeah. And, and, and just real quickly, I mean, some of the guys that, you know, I wrote about and I'm ex excited about or like, you know, basically I think that fit this mold we're talking about basically could probably play for Clemson would be, James Williams, you know, the five-star safety out of American Heritage. Uh, Chase Smith, the top 24-7 athlete out of Melbourne. You know, he's, he's a big guy. And then the one that really caught my eye is I was out at Miami Columbus on Wednesday for their practice, and I saw Jabari Ishmael, uh, four-star defensive end. And he didn't even look like the same prospect from the last time I, I saw him, which I guess was well over six, seven, eight months ago. Uh, he has started to mature in the face. Um, you know, six, five, I honestly think pushing six, six, uh, and he's up to 230 pounds and you can definitely see that he has the frame to add more weight. And I, I'm not trying to compare him to this player, but like his lower half in terms of the hips and the thighs, how they're starting to fill out reminds me uh, a lot of Greg Russo when he kind of transformed from his senior year of high school to his freshman season at Miami so definitely something to get excited about maybe a like not a light at the ton at the tunnel but after so much negatives I just just wanted to bring up a positive I think that's something Miami's yeah. doing well they're definitely recruiting well and you know I, I've meant during the bye week we, we dug into recruiting a bunch right and basically I still feel the same way like it's an a class but I give it an a minus because 
they don't have a quarterback. So it's, it's a really, really good class, and it's at the key positions where you want a good class outside of quarterbacks. So O-line, D-line, um, you know, that linebacker safety hybrid is becoming more and more important in the college game. And uh, Miami's killing it at those positions right now. Yeah, everyone wants to move Amari Carter to, to linebacker all of a sudden. I mean, you've been kind of bringing that up for a while. Too <laughs> late um, now, but yeah, would be nice. Pittsburgh. So this game opened up at 10 or 10 and a half, depending on the, the sports book for you, whatever one you're using. William and Hill, I think, had it at 10 and a half on, on Sunday. Uh, as we record this Thursday afternoon, the line is up to 13 and a half in favor of Miami uh, at William and Hill. And I've seen it at some places at 14. So that is a pretty big swing, not uncommon in the 2020 COVID gambling era, but um, I think there's a reason why it might be moving that way. And it, it seems to be because Pittsburgh's starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett, uh, who leads the nation in passing yards, which to me is insane. Um, I know he's played five games, so more than other people, but the fact that Pittsburgh's quarterback has thrown for more yards than anyone else is, I don't know, mind-boggling to me. Um, he might be out. I, I, is there a, has there been an update since Monday on that, David? I think, I think what all the Pittsburgh writers are, are saying right now is questionable. So, you know, Manny Diaz said that about Brevin Jordan, questionable, um, you know, which essentially means 50-50. So, I mean, if you watched the, the Boston College game, uh, he injured his ankle scrambling at, at the end of that game. And, you know, that game, he still led them to a field goal that pushed the game into overtime. And then in overtime, he, was, he stayed on the field and was running around doing his Kenny Pickett stuff. And, uh, you know, was still moving okay, but then in between plays, you could tell that uh, he was limping heavily on that ankle. So, you know, the ankle stuff is one of those deals where the next day or, or two days after it starts to swell on you and it's worse than it was when it originally happened. So it's probably a make and make or wait and see type of thing. You know, I think Kenny Pickett, everyone knows he's like a, a really tough tough guy that's part of his game and so if he's able to go somewhat he's going to give it a go but yeah the line movement makes you wonder what do people know like right. I guess the assumption would be he's not going to play yeah I mean it just if you believe in Vegas being uh true insiders or having a pulse on what's going on uh the line movement movement would suggest that they think he might be out and I mean who knows he could come in and then retweak it or something like that so right if he is out um what what's going to go on there's two guys right that could play for Pittsburgh so two guys have come in in relief uh, of Pickett this year in different games so against Louisville I think it was Davis Belleville who I don't really know much about I think he, he maybe had one attempt in that game I don't think he completed it. And then the other guy is Joey Yellen, who would be my assumption as to who the starter will be. Joey Yellen is a former four-star recruit. He is a transfer from Arizona State, um, which is interesting because that's where 
Rob Likens was the offensive coordinator previous to Miami. So if Joey Yellen is the guy, you know, Rob Likens could definitely share some insight into him. Um, and Joey Yellen, he started one game last year. I think um, a spot start for, for injured, injured starter uh, Jaden Daniels. But Joey Yellen went 28 of 44 for 291 and four touchdowns and two interceptions against USC. So, you know, um, I don't know the details of, of how that game exactly played out, but those numbers certainly aren't that bad. Um, but definitely, if, if the quarterback is not Kenny Pickett, I think it's, it's fair to say it is a significant hit to Pitt. Um, have you seen any of, of Joey Yellen uh, on the recruiting trail, you know, getting out to camps or, or all-star games? I like the little play on uh, words there, hit on Pitt. <laughs> um, was that on purpose or no? Not I have. I, I saw Joey Yellen um, at the Under Armour All America game. Probably going to eat my words on this if you know he goes off against Miami. <laughs> but I, you know, I just, I just really was not all that impressed. It was kind of like, how is this guy here? I'm not saying there's not the, the talent, um, but it, he just, you know, wasn't someone that flashed like other quarterbacks. Like Jaden Daniels was also there. And you knew Jaden right. Daniels was kind of like a dude. Um, my my thing is, like this plays right into Miami because I, I I don't think Yellen's that mobile. I don't know much about Davis Belleville. Is it Belleville or Bellevue? I don't I don't know. I have two different. I things see right Belleville. Okay, I don't I have know. Two He's from South Carolina. Played in the Shrine Bowl. Um, but both both these guys are three star kids. I mean, Yellen, I think it was four on the composite. Uh, but. Look, Miami traditionally tees off on quarterbacks that can't really move and get outside the pocket. And I just think if, you know, even if Pickett plays, like, yeah, he's a gritty player. Like, these are kind of the, the quarterbacks that Miami feast on. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, right. I'll say this. Like, Kenny Pickett is a guy that, you know, he's kind of like a crafty runner, right? Like, you got to pay attention to him a little bit as a runner. But even still, like the last two years, Miami has sacked him 10 times. So um, he's a guy that they have been able to get to. And you would have to think if he does play, he's still going to be hampered by the ankle injury. So he's not going to be quite as mobile. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a big development in this game. Um, let, let me say this, too, about Pitt's offense in general. Because I think to the average fan – um, you know, you, you, you picture Pittsburgh as this huge offensive line with a strong run game, uh, just line it up and smash you. And, and really, that's not the case. And that hasn't been the case since last year, uh, since Mark Whipple took over, who's former Miami offensive coordinator, um, took over their offense. They, they really are just, they're more of a, a shotgun offense um, that pass that relies heavily on the passing game they don't really have all that impressive personnel at running back their top guy Vincent Davis who is a Cardinal Gibbons product right Andrew um he's yeah five foot eight. Yeah. yeah he's five foot eight 175 pounds so I on I honestly want to say like at, at some point I think he was like playing DB for them 
really. Yeah. So he is their leading rusher. And he, you know, through five games, I think he's like 235 yards. So they're not really having much success running the ball and they don't really try to run the ball that much, to be honest. Um, so their quarterback is important to what they do. And, and this year, you know, prior to this injury, Kenny Pickett had made some strides as a, as a passer. As you alluded to, he's leading the country in, in passing yards, but where he had taken his game to another level is with the deep ball. And, uh, you know, right now in, in college football, he's completed the most deep ball passes. He's completed 16 of 16 deep shots um, for 605 and three touchdowns. And uh, he's attempting deep balls at a much higher percentage compared to last year. That 1% of his attempts are deep shots. So, and I will say this too, against NC State, he attempted 15 deep shots. So Pitt's offense is no longer like this line them up, smash you in the mouth, run-oriented offense. It's a passing offense. And so who the quarterback is, is a, is a significant deal. I'm sorry. It was not uh, Vincent Davis that, that got some snaps at DB. Uh, Valick Carter, who went to Oxbridge Academy up in West Palm Beach. Okay. I think last year, and like there was some freak emergency, and he ended up needing to play running back and ran for uh, a bunch of yards. But man, if you go up there, up and down the two deep, it is like a strong collection of Sunshine State talent across, like everywhere. Yeah. Who's their D line coach? Charlie Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> very good state of Florida recruiter, but yes, I mean, speaking even more about just their passing attack, um, just their personnel is better, is, is better for passing than running. So they, they pass block better than they run block. Um, I will say this, like they do have some explosiveness at receiver, but they're not really consistent yet. So they lead the country with 18 drops so 18 catchable passes they have dropped already on the year and so okay in comparison to Miami which you know we all think Miami's dropping way too many balls which they are Miami in comparison has dropped eight passes this year so Pittsburgh is more than doubling that amount uh, with their passing game and so I guess you could also look at that as a positive and say if you're a Pittsburgh fan and say well that's going to even out eventually. And a lot of those drops are going to turn into completions and the offense will be even more explosive. So, uh, you know, the, the pit offense, the quarterback is a big deal. And if it is Kenny Pickett, it'll be interesting to see how it goes in terms of a mobility, in terms of what he brings in a, from a mobility standpoint. And if it's a backup, then, you know, Joey Yellen, Rob Likens is familiar with, even though Rob Likens coaches offense, he can cert I'm I'm sure he's given some sort of game plan to the UM defensive coaches. And uh, you know, at, at that point you gotta try and just adjust on the fly during the course of the game. What about um Pittsburgh's defense? I mean, I, we touched on it right. on, on the last podcast. Uh defensive line, pretty dang good. Yeah, so this, you know, Miami's offense against Pittsburgh's defense is probably going to determine how close of a game this is. 
um, because it, it's an interesting matchup where, you know, I think the strength of Miami's offense so far this season is their explosive plays. So we didn't really see that against Clemson, but every other game, Miami was able to generate explosive plays and explosive touchdowns. Pitt's defense, on the other hand, it is very good at stopping the run. Uh, I think they have statistically the second best run defense in the country and uh, pro football focus grades them as the third best run defense in the country, trailing only Georgia and Clemson. So they're very good at, at stopping the run, but on the, on the flip side, Pittsburgh has their defense has allowed far too many explosive plays. Um, and some of that is by design, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, right? Pittsburgh's going to stack the box um, and they're going to make you beat them deep, you know, outside the numbers. And it's particularly in these two losses that Pitt has experienced recently, they've lost one point games to Boston College and NC State. Both those teams have been able to uh, take advantage of of Pittsburgh's defense. You know, Boston College wide receiver Zay Flowers caught three deep balls for 146 yards and three touchdowns. NC State, uh, their quarterback completed five deep balls for 138 yards and two touchdowns. So they, those teams were getting it done in, in that regard. And that's a big reason why they won those games. But as you were alluding to, it, it's a lot easier said than done because Pittsburgh has one of the best defensive lines in, in the country, quite frankly. And I think you could argue they might have the best pair, the best duo of defensive ends in the country. Um, they, they, they are certainly in the conversation for being the, the most twitchy duo in the country. So Rashad Weaver, and Patrick Jones. And, you know, if you're a line of scrimmage nerd, I would recommend just watching them this Saturday. Just the way they fire off the ball is highly impressive. Uh, um, so Miami's offensive tackles, also that the tight ends and running backs are going to need to help, uh, you know, contain those guys. And then on the inside, defensive tackle, you, you tell me if I'm saying this right, Kalija Kansi? Is that how you pronounce his name? I mean, I'm, there's going to be a Miami Northwestern alum. That's, <laughs> I thought it was collage Cansey. I could be, I could be wrong. Okay. So he's a undersized defensive tackle from Miami Northwestern. As you, as you mentioned, he's six foot, 270 pounds, extremely twitchy, extremely good balance. He, he was hitting one of the, like, I think it was NC state. He was hitting them with some spin moves that were just ridiculous on the inside. Um, so he's a problem on the inside. And then, you know, in addition to their front four being able to generate pressure on their own, Pitt will also blitz any one of their linebackers that is on the field. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta try and figure out which guy's going to come on any given play because they do play that game. Um, at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, it, it, in a lot of ways, and we touched on this in the last podcast, it's similar to Clemson in that, or the way Clemson played. 
So Clemson stacked the box and they said, beat us deep. Um, Miami couldn't do it. I will say, you know, I think Pittsburgh's D-line is good. There's no denying that. But Pittsburgh's uh, secondary outside of Paris Ford and, and, you know, I think DeMar Hamlin's also good too, but he's more of like a nickel-ish corner or that striker type corner. Um, So those guys are up the middle where Pittsburgh's secondary is strong. I still have questions about what they're bringing to the table outside at corner. And I will say I don't, you know, they're not as talented as Clemson's guys. So can Miami's receivers bounce back and make plays against Pittsburgh? I think, I think the opportunity is there to do that. Do you agree? No, I do. Um, and I think we'll get into that when we kind of break down potential players uh, of the game and whatnot. Uh, last thing I had on Pittsburgh is, man, they've played a ton of like close games under Pat Narduzzi. Uh, yes. I think he's 39 and 31 since he's gotten there. 18 of those 31 losses have been by a touchdown or less. And obviously they've lost uh, back-to-back games by uh, one point. I, ju- I just found that interesting. Like he has been, um, you know, <laughs> in the thick of things. And I think Miami has as well. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but it, you know, it, it could, sure. could get close. I'll, let me throw one other stat out there too. So, you know, this notion of having to beat Pitt with deep balls is nothing new. Like Miami's had to deal with that since he's been at Pitt since 2015. The last two years, Miami's quarterbacks have really struggled in this regard. So those two years, they have combined going just one of eight for 29 yards on their deep shots against Pittsburgh. So obviously to win the game, Miami's going to have to pick it up in that regard. Okay, let's take a quick break, uh, and then we're going to get into some projections, score projections, and all that stuff. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, all right, David. Um, Let's get in the keys to the game for Miami. You have, I don't know, not danced around it, but tossed out a a bunch of of different things. Um, I'll start here first. I think the key for Miami on Saturday is forcing a bunch of turnovers. Um, You mentioned... Pittsburgh's defense I think it's gonna be hard for Miami to uh run the ball so that means that the passing game is going to have to get going um 
and you know we haven't seen that click yet. So uh, I, I think you know if Miami can get a few takeaways, uh, put the offense back on, on the field, that's going to go a long way. And obviously, you know you could say this about any game, but Pitt two and four in their last six conference games when they've had a negative turnover margin. So I think if Miami's able to bust out that chain, um, you know, w- get Pickett to to fumble or, or throw a pick or, you know, really try to key in on one of those young quarterbacks if, that, if they were to get out there, I think that that could be the difference. Yeah, no, that's a good key. I think, you know, one thing you touched on too in terms of like getting the run game going my so my opinion uh going into this pittsburgh game is that i would like to see rhett lashley try to throw the ball to establish the run um this week against pittsburgh if that makes sense so you know pittsburgh's gonna come in and stack the box you're gonna have to work the short game and i don't like maybe the expectation should be okay, the running backs might not have as many carries this game, but if you can get them involved with touches, that's just as good. So get Cam Harris, get Jalen Knighton out on some swing passes or get them out on some screens. Just get the ball in their hands in that regard and maybe that loosens things up. And then if you can hit on explosive plays on top of that, then as the game progresses, you can start working the run game more and more and more. Um, so that's kind of one thing I'm looking for. Just throw the ball to open up the run game as the game progresses. I mean, to be honest, I'm real interested, and I keep saying the word interest, but like I want to know what Rhett Lashley's game plan looks like. What what changes are there? Uh, we haven't even brought this up, but you know, Brevin Jordan could be out for Miami and we know um what what is right. the the diagnosis like shoulder strain I think it's yeah it's a shoulder deal yeah okay i, I i'm just I, you know do they try I'll to say run the this, ball to your point with the tight ends in in Pitt's losses against NC State and Boston College uh Pitt allowed the tight ends to have pretty productive games in those losses so NC State's uh, Carrie Angeline caught four passes for 60 yards and two touchdowns. And then uh, Boston College tight end Hunter Long caught six passes for 93 yards. So, um, you know, it's an opportunity. If Brevin Jordan is out, uh, Will Mallory has an opportunity to produce against a Pittsburgh defense that has trouble containing pretty good tight ends. Uh Kerry Angeline, pretty similar to Will Mallory coming out of high school, by the way. Right, uh, right, right. You know, uh, he's beefed up a little bit more, but those guys were uh, similar, similar skill sets and, and measurables. Um, who's the guy for you that needs to step up on Saturday for, for Miami? Yeah, I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm just going to go with De'Ara King, right? Um, you know, I, I think he was – mad about the way the Clemson game went and you know he he spoke to us on Wednesday spoke to the media and uh, he said like he was not able to sleep after that game so he's like I've just been focused on putting in the work he said I I want to come in and be coachable and I want them to tell me 
what I messed up on. And, uh, you know, I've worked hard in practice to correct those mistakes. So I'm kind of expecting a big game from Derek, to be honest. Um, you know, the NC State quarterback, Devin Leary, and the Boston College quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, have both thrown for over 300 yards against this Pittsburgh defense. I'm not necessarily saying Derek's going to throw for 300 yards, but I think he's going to have a, a good game. Um, I should be like you, taking the low-hanging fruit. I said, "What? Who did I say?" I said him last week <laughs> uh, before the before the Clemson game. Um, what for me? Uh, I'm going DJ Scaife. Uh, we kind of hammered out in detail here how we think Pittsburgh has a pretty good line and defensive line, and the statistics obviously back that up. Uh, I just want to point out. DJ played the worst game of his career last season against Pittsburgh, gave up three hurries and a sack. Um, and I, I, maybe I should have picked one of the tackle spots, but I think the, the O-line is going to need to need to step up here. Um, if, if Miami is yeah. going to get the, get, get it done and, you know, cover or something like that. Like, uh, so I, I just highlight, highlighted him, you know, it really could be anyone in that starting five and we don't even know who's going to start at left tackle. It could be John Campbell or, uh, Zion Nelson. Right. Yeah. It seems like it does seem like John Campbell's healthy, right? So, you know, Miami Hurricanes football official account has tweeted out multiple pictures of John Campbell participating in practice. And it looks like he's working with the first team in these pictures. So, you know, it does seem like that little injury he sustained against Clemson at the end of that game, he's good to go. But yeah, I mean, He's going to have his hands full because uh, Patrick Jones is a legitimate defensive end that is going to have John Campbell on his heels a lot of times because of his twitchy get off. So I'm with you. I, you know, the offensive line has to step up. Like there are going to be shots, you know, throughout the game, but if Miami's O-line can't block it up, then those shots aren't, you know, it's not going to be possible. Um, give me a potential player of the game for Miami, or is it Derek King? Player of the game. I will go with, well, I'll go with, uh, I'll say I'm between either one of the defensive ends. I'll go Quincy Roche this time. So, you know, we, we've mentioned the last two years, how Miami has totaled 10 sacks, uh, against Kenny Pickett. And in those games, I think Greg Rousseau last year had three sacks. And the year before, I think it was Joe Jackson who had two and a half. So, you know, there's there seems to be opportunities uh, for a defensive end to step up and have a productive day. I think you could go either Jalen Phillips or Quincy Roche, but I'll go with Quincy Roche. All right. Are you ready for mine? Let's go. Just when just when I was ready to to completely write him off, Uh-oh. bringing him back, the Mark Pope, Mark Pope, Uh-oh. potential player of the game. Okay, tell me why. Do you, you want my theory? Should I should I go in depth on this? I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. Let's go. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe it's not maybe it's not Mark Pope, but someone in this in this Miami receiver room is going to have this this opportunity, and I, I'm going with Mark Pope here. Um, you mentioned this. A couple minutes ago, Zay Flowers absolutely went off last week. 
against this uh, Pittsburgh defense. He had six catches for over 100 or for 162 yards, three touchdowns. They worked him in the slot. They worked him on the outside. Um, but he really beat up on Jason Pinnock, uh, one of the starting corners. Pinnock, according to PFF, gave up three catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. He's by far the worst defender uh, that has been graded out by PFF this season. Um, so, you know, someone is going to be matched up against for him. I think it'll probably be Mark Pope. And look, man, mm-hmm. Mark Pope is like the same size as Zay Flowers. Mark Pope is supposed to be way better than Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers, uh, for those un- uh, unfamiliar, a former three-star recruit out of U-School, um, number 139 overall wide receiver in the class of 2019, played basketball with Vernon Carey. Mark Pope was the number 11 wide receiver in 2018. So if he can't get it done this week, I'm, I'm, a, I'm officially off. But I, I think this is, this, is the t- this is the chance where Mark Pope yes. you know, can get it done in the slot. And, and you know, there will, there will be you. no more. There will be no more tinfoil hats. But <laughs> that's, that's my potential player of the game. Jason Pinnock is definitely worth discussing. You know, as you alluded to, Zay Flowers ripped him up. Um, you know, on the season, he's, at, he's also not having a great season. He's, according to PFF, he's allowed 239 yards um, this season, which is the third most of any defender in the country. And he's allowed four, four touchdowns, four passing touchdown receptions while he's in coverage which is the most of any defender in the country. So you, you do bring up sound logic and, you know, hopefully, hopefully my boy Mark Pope proves you right. I hope, I hope, I hope, man. Give, <laughs> give Mark Pope a game, please. Yes. Um, I mean, Miami needs it. Miami, if Mark Pope does step up, that's a very good sign. I know there's going to be a ton of people going, well, we want them to play the freshman. We want to see Keyshawn Smith and, and Michael Redding. I still want to see that too. I still want to see that too. Okay. Well, we're going to get into the sports line projections now. And I got a nice little one for you then. Uh, so sportsline.com partners with uh, CBS. We had Alan Bell on the podcast before the season to talk gambling. Um, but all season long, we've been kind of rolling out their projections and what they think for the games after the computers run the simulations. And they have Miami winning 28 to 18. Uh, they also got a bunch of projected stats. I think the best way to kind of go over these is I just asked David over unders and what he thinks. So I'll start uh, at the top. But David, they got Cam Harris with projecting him to run for 52 yards over or under that number. Oof. I mean, he could get that in one run. <laughs> he could. Yeah, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Okay, so you think they're going to find success running the ball? Eventually, I don't know. Like I said, in the first quarter, no. But I do think Miami is going to build somewhat of a lead in the second half, and they'll just be able to run the ball then, if that makes sense. Okay. Jalen Knighton, over under five touches. They have him projected with one catch and (laughs) 4.5 carries. I mean, I hope over. Like, one of the – I'm not a big, like, nitpicky uh, game plan play caller guy. Uh, but one thing that did annoy me about that Clemson game 
is that Jalen Knight only had two touches in that game. So I'm, I'll take the – I think Rhett Lash is going to fix that, and I'll take the over five touches. See, that's why, that's why I came up with this one because I knew <laughs> there's, there's people that were upset about it. Um, okay, another good one. Keyshawn Smith over under one and a half receptions. They project him to catch one pass for 18 yards. First time I've ever seen him in the show up in sports line. <laughs> um, over under one and a half. Uh, I'll take the over. I'll say he gets two. So you think they're going to play the true freshman receivers? I think they, I think they will. I think they know they got to start getting them going. I, I think they know that. Okay. Last one, Pittsburgh over under three and a half sacks. They they project uh, the Panthers D line to get like three point seven eight nine or something like that sacks. I'll say over, just because I think you know I think they can get four. I'll say over. It, it, I mean, I don't think they've faced a quarterback as dynamic as a runner um, as DRK right. this season, though. I mean, Phil Jerkovich for Boston College can move, but he he ain't returning kicks for for touchdowns <laughs> correct yeah it's i'm more speaking to just how good i i do think those guys are okay let's get into uh our score prediction so kickoff saturday noon eastern time on the acc network did you see that video of manny diaz uh, calling for people to watch on the acc network did you, you know did not. oh my no. god it's He's like reading some script basically saying, you know, they didn't say to say it, but basically call Xfinity and complain for not having the ACC network. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is crazy. It's been a year now since the ACC network's been around. And they keep putting Miami games on, you know, on the ACC network because they know South Florida doesn't have it. And so they're trying to like strong arm Comcast into picking it up. But Comcast is is holding firm well anyways uh (laughs) limited crowd at hard rock stadium noon game give me your score prediction yeah man i go back and forth right i'll tell you where i'm at so like i i do think miami's gonna win the game what i go back and forth on is what's the margin is it gonna be close or is it gonna be fairly comfortable so where I'm at right now, I'm just going to say Miami wins 32-24. Now, if Kenny Pickett doesn't play, I think it's fair to, you know, bump that margin of victory up a lot more. But we don't know that. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play it safe and say Miami wins 30-24. to I'm, I'm in a similar boat to you. I got Miami 28, Pittsburgh Clemson. Uh, or what, what did I say? If I, whoa, whoa. I don't know. I was reading like Twitter. I, Miami 28, Pittsburgh 20. I don't know what I was doing in my head. <laughs> to be honest, I, I was reading this tweet about how there's some boat on fire in Fort Lauderdale. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so we both compl- have Pittsburgh. Uh, we both have Pittsburgh and the points if we're betting the game, correct? Yes. Okay. So that's what I was also going to bring up. Like I, me and you were driving back from Clemson. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I would take Pitt and now it's up to two touchdowns. I, yeah. I, I, I would the also. The thing that's tough though is how, like, what is their backup quarterback? Like, is he, is he any good? Like if he's terrible, then yeah, 
you know, two touchdowns is definitely possible. And I would also lean the under. I think the yeah. under over under is like forty eight. So my mine would be right at that. But you know, I could see this being a low scoring. That's what it's traditionally been uh, in this in this series. So no, I Miami twenty eight, Pittsburgh twenty. I think Miami wins the game. I I have a hunch it's going to be close. Um, you know, I could also seeing it be a complete you know, route for Miami, but, uh, you know, just, just not ready to go there yet. Yeah. Yeah. We got to see it first. Right. Like I said, at the start, this is the type of game where you find out, you know, kind you get an idea of what your culture is about. So we've heard all off season, you know, even leading up to this week, how guys on the team, how coach Manny Diaz feels like the leadership on this program is in a good spot. Well, it, you know, it's a results oriented deal, right? So we will, we will find out Saturday with the result of this game, if that is the case, because Miami should win this game. So if they don't win this game, then it's, it's same, you know, same stuff, different year. So hopefully, hopefully that's not the case. I hope it's a positive podcast whenever we tape on yes. Saturday or yes. uh, Sunday. Um, I got nothing else. So David, um, if you want to, tease what you're writing do that but yeah let's uh yeah check out the website you know we'll have plenty of lead up uh to the pittsburgh game um you know it's a noon kick so stay on the website all day long saturday should be fun games college football games after after the miami game um too so you know we'll have you covered leading up to the site we're, we're gonna have plenty of recruiting coverage too you know Gabby's out here going going and checking in with all these commits in South Florida. You mentioned you saw Jabari uh, Ishmael. So you guys are out there on the road grinding, and there's always going to be recruiting updates on the website too. So thanks for the five-star reviews as well, and uh, thanks for the listens, guys. All right. We'll talk to you later. Take care.